0: Hello, welcome to Blade's Pod. It is Friday 18th of May, uh, joined once again, as always, by Twitter's social media sensation for the Blazers season. Jay, how are you doing? I'm all right. I don't think I get that award, though. Have you seen the amount of content we've got out there? Uh, hello. Your your uh, rapid rise to uh, internet stardom is something that every, every budding analyst should aspire to, I think.
1: Internet stardom. That's good.
0: <laughs> Over a thousand followers now. That's that's a a very uh, a very good achievement. I think for for this season. <laughs> Everyone loves a tackle start, then certainly do. All right. So uh, we we'd plan to do a podcast this week anyway because um, we wanted to. Obviously, the previous one we we kind of rated every uh, every United player this season out of ten, uh, and then we wanted to do one that is kind of. Um, Kind of an alternate alternate awards season um, for yeah for the year that's just gone, where we're gonna kind of dive into some things that are not just your standard player of the year, uh, young player of the year. You know, there's a I think they've been explored in real life and probably on many other websites as well and um, yeah so we're going to try and take a slightly alternative view with some other kind of interesting categories but um, as it happens some news has just broken this morning uh, such as such as it is Uh, and yeah maybe we can just uh, react to that a little bit so Chris Wilder is is not going to leave Sheffield United to take over at, at League One Sunderland which is apparently the most attractive job in football in the last few weeks. But he's um yeah, he's uh, gonna sign according to Sky Sports report that just come out this morning, he's gonna sign a contract extension with Sheffield United and uh yeah, he's he's going nowhere, at least for the time being. What's your uh what's your feelings and reaction to that one, mate? Um I mean like aroused was the first
1: one. Um <laughs> Keep keeping, it, keeping it clean and not saying in the no type stuff because we'll, we'll leave that out there on personal Twitters and whatnot and what's out there. But um, yeah, it, it, it was always a worry because of what was said post-Preston meltdown. But I am with you. I never thought Sunderland was that attractive regardless of how much cash they may or may not have. Can we just remind everyone Sunderland's takeover hasn't been confirmed as far I'm as aware. So I'm not quite sure that offer was ever there um, officially. Yeah. But it's... Um, it doesn't matter, does it? Who who it was linked to? Uh, I think Chris's point was uh, was valid um, and, and was made not with any intention to leave the club or, or to make uh, silly demands. It was made to prompt action, and it's clearly worked. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's fantastic. Um, I think I also, and this is it's, it's an unpopular opinion. Um, sometimes we like these, but I think massive credit has to go to the two owners as well. Um, regardless of what we might think personally about this wrangle they are businessmen this is a massive business they've you know there's lots of money invested so they have their own right to argue over it but to come face to face sit down and, and agree something and realize that this is probably the best period the club's been in in a very long time mm. even better than when we were actually in the premier league in terms of potential sustainability for the future yeah it's uh, it, it takes some balls to swallow your pride and and to ignore your wallet for a while and say we need to do what's in the best interest of the club for the next two years. Mm-hmm. I understand they have business interest within that, but a uh, huge credit to everyone involved. And uh, that's that really, we can all be excited now and, and positive about the new season rather than negative.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I've not really engaged with this Wilder to Sunderland thing. Cause you know, this, there is obviously this ownership uh, wrangle, if you want to call it that ongoing, but two owners trying to get the maximum value out of their asset are not going to, damage the value of that asset by uh, driving away or, or letting Wilder leave, I guess, without, you know, making uh, assurances or allowances that will, you know, try and get him to stay here. So, yeah, for me personally, I'm I'm relieved that this is now going to stop being a thing. The idea yeah. it's just, I mean, I, I tweeted this to you earlier, but I've been very, uh, I guess, aggressively reluctant to actually talk about this on the podcast. I mean, I know right at the end of the last one, you know, you kind of just uh, covered it off in 60 seconds or so, but um, I remember having a, I think I'd like uh, essentially planned out an entire monologue about why I thought this was just ridiculous and annoying, Um, and I I sort of held off from using it because I I just didn't want to give any credibility to what to me was just a nonsensical rumour, like wilder to Sunderland, mm. you know. It's one of those things where somebody says something, somebody puts a small bet on a sky bet or whatever, so his odds plummet. That then yeah. becomes headline news on various outlets. It gets questioned by local journalists. You know, the, the the fact the question at all gets brought up, if you like, oh, are you off to Sunderland? That in itself is a story, even if it's kind of, uh, you know, dead-battered back to the uh, back to the bowl or that kind of thing. Um so, yeah, it was it was uh, something I just didn't want to engage with because I thought it was completely absurd. Um, and, you know, the, the sort of flip side is, yes, it has been used or manipulated in quite a, quite a clever way, I think you could say, by Wilder to kind of get this situation where he obviously feels he can move forward with, um, you know, this summer and future planning of the club. But, yeah, the idea that he was going to leave us to take over a League One team, and, and Sunderland as well, who... Sure, they have some money, but, or they will have some money potentially if this takeover goes through. Sunderland, they're a total mess. They're paying like Jack Rodwell 40 grand a week or something. I, was, I just, what a, a messy situation for him to go into. I, I just thought it was complete nonsense, mate. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that, uh, yeah, we can now move on and just keep talking about um, United's future rather than all, you know, well, just wanted to punch ourselves in the face, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. I think, uh, yeah, I, I do think there was a, there was some merit to the Sunderland link um, with with the owner. I I do think there may have been informal conversations, not not as far as offers, but as you say. it, it I don't think it was ever a thing. I don't think Chris Wilder ever wanted to leave Sheffield United. Um, this, yeah. this this wasn't even a thing, you know. I think Premier League clubs have been linked before and I, you know, at, at the lower end of the scale, I don't think he wants to leave Sheffield United. I think he just wants Sheffield United to go in the same direction he wants to do. Yeah. And it, that's, it's as simple as that and I think that I think what this is is an interim solution. There is still a boardroom issue. It will be ongoing throughout next season, possibly the season after. You know, It's a legal ar- argument. These do not go away easy. No. Um, but I, again, I, yeah, I know some things and there's, things, there's people out there on Twitter who know some things, but I won't discuss that here. Yeah. All I will say is clearly both owners have communicated to Chris Wilder that regardless of what happens, they want him in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, if, if you think you're at work, you know, and there's a... An ownership wrangle going on, but both sides are telling you, no matter what happens, we want you, we will back you as much as we possibly can in any way you want help with, we're here for you. That's all you want to hear, isn't it?
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's uh let's let's move on from this uh, this good news and get into uh our season awards for 2017 twenty seventeen eighteen just gone. All right. So, yeah, we, we sat down and kind of uh, hashed out some categories, I guess. And, uh, yeah, we're going to run through these now. Um, we're both going to give... Well, we, we're going into this blind a little bit, aren't we, like we did with the uh, with the player rating. So I have no idea what you've chosen for these categories. Um, we've got a few kind of runners up as well, and a few of them are sort of a top three. So, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully this will spark some interesting debate and uh yeah, I think maybe we'll throw a few out there into uh the Twitter sphere as well to see if um people want to vote on which of our two answers, if we disagree, should be the actual winner of the award. But let's um well let's start with uh let's start with our, our best moment so of the season. So I yeah, we d- we decided to do a, a top three for these, but in the interest of uh well in the interest of being interesting, I guess. Um <laughs> we we decided to do uh Best moment that doesn't include winning 4-2 at Hillsborough, because clearly that is the best moment of the season. I I don't think many, or indeed anyone, would, would disagree with that. So maybe just before we get into best moment, actually, we can just spend a couple of moments just reflecting on how ridiculously good that win was, and yeah, something that we will presumably remember for, well, potentially the, the rest of our United supporting lives, I suppose. Uh, historic unbelievable win that yeah I, I didn't see coming at all did you were you confident going into that game
1: i was more confident than i ever have been oh really interesting um yeah i was um simply because i just had i've so much faith in this united team um admittedly it was very early on in the season um so the, the confidence hadn't peaked um as much as it had when we were in the top 2 you know, top 2 3 even top 6 but um I, I just honestly felt like we had a, a lot of players that could hurt Sheffield Wednesday, and I, I've never felt that way. <laughs> Normally, it's a very attritional kind of game plan from us.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, regardless of home or away against Wednesday, and it has been very effective, you know, under Warlock and whatnot. But it's it's always quite an attritional game without much quality, to be quite frank. Mm. Um, but yes, of course, there was the. It's just sheer bloody nerves. Um, you know, we we were the we, we're the dog and duck. We have no right <laughs> to go walk into this stadium with the millions of pounds that they spent and our three pound seventy four team and and go and do what we did. Um, so before the game, there was nerves, and then in the first five minutes, I don't know about you,
0: but my nerves settled completely because we mm. dominated,
1: just dominated.
0: Yeah, I mean that that is uh, you know we scored four goals, but could easily have had a a couple more. You know. Uh, uh, Brooks forced a couple of good saves. I think Clark actually missed probably probably an easier chance, or maybe even two easier chances than the, the ones he actually scored from. But yeah, it, I, I was uh, I had quite low expectations for this game actually. I'd, at the time, it felt like a weakened team. I, th- I think it might have been Baldock's first start, so that was a bit like, oh, you know, t- big big ass to chuck him into this game. Uh, Brooks was obviously yeah. starting. It was very much an unknown quantity. You know, I mean, let, let's let's not forget we were. You know, we were essentially happy for him to join Chesterfield for most of the summer, and then yeah, yeah, six, but yeah. well, maybe eight weeks into the, uh, eight games into the season thereabouts, he's he's starting up front with uh, with Clark, who were, again at that point, you know, we we hadn't really seen much from him. Uh, he'd, I, I don't know how many goals he got by that point, but it can't be many, if any, at all, and he'd, you know, he'd missed a few games through suspension as well. I don't think he'd scored. Yeah, so to yeah, me, um, I was like, I oh god, this. I was thinking this is going to be difficult. In fact, I think I watched it with my dad. I think he, uh, I think he actually said he would take a one-goal defeat, which <laughs> was probably yeah, slightly, yeah, slightly yeah. more pessimistic than I, I was. Think... But uh, yeah, uh, I, I did rightly,
1: bas- Basham played centre mid as well, didn't
0: he? Exactly. Yes. It, it felt like at that time on paper, it felt like half a team for us, like not as strong a yeah. team. Um, <laughs> but we were un- unreal. We just completely outplayed them. If anything, four-two flattered Wednesday. I thought that you know they got back into it out of out of the blue, really. That goal just before half time from Hooper, um, and then yeah, they came on a bit strong in the second half. But you know, then we, then we hit what was without question the best moment of the season: uh, Clark flicking it over to Duffy, Duffy turning Van Aken inside out, smashing it into the net barely sixty seconds after they'd equalised. Unreal, mate. Like I, I wonder if I've watched that clip more than a hundred times and i would say probably yeah. yes if <laughs> i almost certainly yes yeah <laughs> I, mean, I remember yeah, um sorry to just keep banging on about this but i think it is worth paying some lip service i remember going to um so our next game was wolves at home and i remember going to the pub and uh i <laughs> just meeting a meeting up with a few people and we were <laughs> all like we all still had the uh, the bouncing song in our heads. And it's just, uh, you know, we were all just like grinning like idiots three days later and, you know, trying not to sing it to ourselves, basically. Um, so, yeah, just the sort of complete destruction of that song from being really, really annoying and just associated with terrible memories to actually, when I'm hearing Derby fans singing it in the playoffs against Fulham, I'm just laughing away and thinking, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean...
1: I- the best thing is obviously there's all the memes that came out after but uh, the Billy Sharp tweet about Mark Duffy putting his kids to bed (laughs) they were up bouncing at two in the morning was
0: absolutely unreal banter I saw that resurface this week actually I don't know why somebody as as it should
1: yeah that should be an annual thing now but um, I mean as well just in the you know I know we want to cut don't want to go on about this but just to as well I mean talk about best moments of the season I I decided I was going to do nothing to do with this game because there was more in this game (laughs) That could have been the best moment. Like Duffy's goal was outstanding for the bounce killer moment. David Brooks's nutmeg on Jack Hunt, yeah, it's just unreal. There's there's t-shirts been made of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, that was that felt like a significant moment because it was like, here is a young kid and he has just te- technically just owned your right back. It probably I don't know how much he costs, but you know, it's just that kind of thing of like, well, you know, we, we are here and we deserve to be here. And we're better than you, as it stands. It was, uh, you know, just such a, a satisfying moment in an incredibly satisfying win, and yeah, yep. one that we will continue to bang on about for many, many years, I think. Um, oh but, yeah. But okay. Let's let's. So that's uh, that is that game, which is yeah, probably the well, certainly the best moment of the season. But here is my alternate best moments of the season. So uh, yeah, I picked three of them. So in reverse order. Uh, I have Leon Clark's hat-trick versus Hull at home. Now, I've picked this for because it was the first time I've ever seen a United player score a hat-trick in person, which is bizarre but true. <laughs> and then about two weeks later, he did it again against uh, against Fulham. But, um, yeah, it was also the, uh, the culmination of a, a just phenomenal second-half performance. We obviously won that game 4-1. We were 1-0 down at half-time. We played pretty well, but, you know, it, it looked like we may be about to slip to a home defeat. And then we just came out in that second half and just overpowered them. And Clark, you know, some of his finishing in that game was fantastic. He was just, you know, just yeah. firing them in from all angles. Um, so, yeah, that was that was my number three. Um, second place, I've got uh, David Brooks, winner versus Leeds. Um, yeah. So, a very class finish. It was his first senior goal, I believe. Uh, gave us a, a deserved win against... Um, well at that time what looked like a promotion challenging team I think uh, and it sent us to the yep. top of the league on Sky I mean it was very much a like again we're here we we deserve to be in this position we are an upper level championship team as it stands um, and then my uh, yeah my number one moment of the season that wasn't bouncing day um, was Sharp's second goal against Derby in the home game quite early in the season so this is where um, we were 2-1 up at the time uh, Carson the derby keeper had gone up to his kind of challenge for um for a throw in we cleared it played it to sharp who's got a he still had a lot to do but it was an empty net running towards the carp and he ducked inside and just stuck it into the goal from from about 40 yards um and then ran you know continued running towards the carp who everyone was just going absolutely mad I think it was our first I think this was like our first game against a you know so-called proper championship team a, a team where um I looked through the team sheet beforehand and was like, "Oh God, you know, look at look at some of these names there are playing for Derby. This is going to be really difficult today." And uh, and we completely outplayed them. And yeah, this moment just sealed it. And I remember it being a uh, just a a great a great celebration. You know, one of those moments where you sort of without without realising it, uh, it, it just feels like a a massive almost season defining goal. And you know, for one of those moments for your captain Sharp to. Uh, to prove his, his critics wrong that he's never going to score in the championship. Um, yeah, that that was my uh number one moment of the season that didn't involve Sheffield Wednesday. How about you? Um, good ones by the way, some of them uh definitely ran through my
1: thinking as well, and some of them are similar, so I'm on, on the same page there. I went, I went uh reverse order number three was the uh the first game of the season actually, mm. uh, the 1 0 win at home to Brentford, um, just because what that meant you know, Brentford, uh, a a quite a highly rated championship side with some excellent technical players. And everyone before the game was saying this was going to be a difficult game. Um, And looking at the fixtures at the start of the season, you know, Brentford, Middlesbrough, Cardiff. Mm -hmm. A a lot, you know, a lot of people were already looking at it, you know, if we're going to stay up, giving it, you know, the kind of relegation talk, you know, we need to win our home games. And just a little bit of pressure, but it was a beautiful day, um, you know, in the the sun and uh, United played really well. They had some lucky moments as well. Brentford were good too, but to see the captain, you know, Bill score, you know, mister won't be able to do it in the championship, say the other side of the city. And uh, bags on the first day, we beat a technically proficient championship side. And uh, as you quite rightly said, it was one of the markers of we're here. Mm. You know, we played in the exact same manner. Um, You know, we we really tried to take the game to Brentford, tried to go on the front foot and, Anyone watching that game would have been left under new illusions as to how a Chris Wilder team, uh, Sheffield United team play. Mm. That, was a, that was a good one for me. Um, I went number two. Uh, it was in a low-key game, but it was more for how good the goal was. And it was the um, goal against Burton. The first goal against Burton, Billy, uh, David Brooks. So um, the move was absolutely fantastic from back to front. We went 70 yards in three passes. Ball out of the back into Sharks' feet, the pass forward from Duffy into Brooks. The way we just, because that game was a tight game and it was a point in the season where, you know, we were around the top six sniffing. We weren't quite playing fluidly in that game. Burton were actually coming on strong. Mm. Um, But again, it wasn't for the game or anything like that or the importance of the goal. It was just how bloody good of a goal it was. Um, you know, it, it was what United are capable of. We can play controlled football, we can dominate possession, we can press. But to go back to front with that much control and precision and pace was just fantastic.
0: Yeah,
1: it was um, it, And it, it was just, you know, it was an indicator, of again, of what we can do. Um, and then I guess my moment of the season uh, in terms of game was the Leeds away win. Um, because of what that meant at the time. I know it didn't mean anything at the end of the season, but at the time, Leeds were quite highly rated. We'd gone and scored a great early goal uh, with Billy again. You know, At that time, whenever we seemed to score early, we won. Mm. Um, and we were just flying. And all of a sudden, Leeds scored a, a quite a good goal for Phillips. And, and on the second half, they were starting to come on strong. And again, it was just this whole David Brooks phenomenon, really. At that time, it just burst onto the scene. And I was actually sat with a Leeds fan in a pub in Lincoln where I live watching it. Um, and, and as soon as we brought Brooks on, I actually turned around to him and said, he's going to score the winner because I think he's genuinely going to be world-class. I, I, I think at some point, David Brooks in his career could be world-class. He has that much talent. Mm. And he just he just came on and dominated the game. He was drifting past people. He was bursting into space. And it was just a beautiful slid finish on his left foot. And You know, when you consider at that time what we've done um, in terms of beating Wednesday, beating Wolves, you know, we'd just won two previous home games before it to go top of the league on Sky." I was in dreamland, yeah. so that was my, my moment of the season.
0: That, that's a great shout. Um, I think, I don't have this in front of me, but I also think that might have been another of those games where, as, as you rightly said, we were sort of under the cosh a little bit once Leeds had got level. And I remember the, the post from long range and they had a header as well that went quite close. But yes, yeah, so we're under the cosh a bit. And rather than going more defensive and, you know, taking off a, a forward or something or just changing shape... I believe we actually went more attacking. I feel like we took off a defender, which we did a. We also did against Wednesday, by the way. I think we took uh, did we take Wright off and brought Duffy on, and that we did. uh, That was a two all, um, or or near thereabouts. It was when we were under pressure anyway, Um, and yeah. So you know, maybe this sort of cost us in some other games, but it was at that point it was a statement of like, yeah, we're we have a, a way of playing that we believe we can score goals and stay on play. You know, the best way for us to play is, is on the front foot. And yeah, to do that on sky, go top of the league, you know, kind of suddenly right in the media spotlight was uh, yeah, fantastic moment. hundred percent agree with that one. Cool. Uh, all right, let's, let's move on to uh, best signing then. So best signing of the season, I, I guess you could interpret this in a number of ways, but I, um, I will let you go first with this one. Tell me, who, who is your number one best signing of last season?
1: Oh, <laughs> this is a toughie. Um, it is, actually. I struggled with this one. Yeah, um, I'm probably going to go George Baldock. Mm-hmm. Um, basing that, not particularly on statistics as we discussed last week. Um, but more on impact um, and and what I expected, I guess my expectations when we signed George Baldock, um, as you do, you kind of read, you know, ex-fan forums, so a couple of MK Don's forums and they were raving about him uh, in terms of his energy, his pace, his athleticism, but I didn't think he was going to be much else other than some legs really, especially after Freeman had just had the season he had Mm. Um, and we lost Freeman. I think there was a little bit of clamour. It was Basham had a couple of games at right wing back and it was a bit of a yeah, it was a bit of a contentious issue. You know, Bash is he's an hard worker, he'll try hard, but he's not a right wing back in terms of that that skill level that's required there. Um, and just just George just came in steady start, but just kicked on from there. And he almost he's almost gone as far as probably making that position his own next year as a starter.
0: Hmm.
1: I think it will depend on pre season, but I think Chris will find it very hard to drop George Baldock after the season he's had. Um, he, he definitely can improve, but as a f- what, free transfer from MK Dons, I mean, I, I just can't, I c- I can't describe that many people value for Money Wise would be a better signing than George Baldock.
0: Yeah, I, I actually also went with Baldock as well. Although, um, transfer market, which is not always accurate, but uh, it reckons we spent a, a small amount of money on him, uh, about 600 grand, I think. Um, but oh, I did,
1: I did. I did think there was a fear, and I said three yeah. chance, I did think there was a, fear. but I, I can't remember it being reported as anything large
0: whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, I, I took that into account, and I, I still think he is my number one signing of the season. I mean, you know, his his, his physical attributes are exactly what's required um, for for our system and the position. And yeah, I, I think you know if he produce if he improves his production, sorry, then it's it's just going to be an unbelievable player. Um, and yeah, he's, he's young enough to have that scope to improve as well. And yeah, we spent you know next to nothing on him essentially in, in modern football terms. Is he is he twenty three, twenty four? George Baldock, I about? I want I want, I want to say twenty four. He is. He's twenty five actually, just gone. But yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of football ahead of him for sure. Um, what about your? Who else was in your sort of consideration for this one? Seeing as we we both agreed on it. <clears throat> um.
1: I, <laughs> controversial.
0: Ender Stevens.
1: Yeah. Ender end Stevens. Um, I, I know this is going to split opinion. Some people have high opinion on Stevens, some people have less so. But I think I mean, he was a free transfer from exactly. League Two Portsmouth. Let's not forget that. I mean, I know they got promoted, but League Two Portsmouth. And what did we expect? You know, again, I just thought he was going to be brought in to provide backup to Lafferty, quite frankly. Yeah. Mm. Um, when we signed him, I, I didn't think Lafferty would be good enough for the championship, but I didn't think Stevens would overtake him and, you know, from, from the first games of the season, Ender was number one choice, Chris Wilder knew exactly what he was going to get out of Stevens, and, and clearly had been after him for a while um, and he was, he's been un- unbelievable, really. It, I think he's played the second most minutes in the side behind yeah. Jack, Jack O'Connell. Um, as we've discussed last week, I won't run through all the stats again, but he's got good assists within the team and should have had more. Um Puts in a good percentage of, of accurate crosses. I know some people label sometimes at him that he might come inside a little bit too much, but I think you have to, you know, understand that tactically he may be getting asked to do that as well, rather yeah. than just whipping it into areas and wasting the ball sometimes. But I think he's been great. Um, yeah. You know, as you quite rightly inform me, his age. He's, there is still some room for improvement, but not young as I thought. Um, but. I get the clamor for competition for him because I don't think Lafferty is a championship player but I certainly don't think we need an improvement if we don't have much money to play with.
0: Yeah. Now I had him on my uh, kind of runners up list as well. Um some some of the other ones um I mean we we would have struggled without Stearman, in all honesty. Uh you know I kind of I can't remember where I maybe we talked about this on the last podcast but yeah we, we we're quite fortunate that O'Connell and Basham were able to play as much as they did. I mean, O'Connell obviously played every minute, but I think Basham probably only missed two games or thereabouts. And you take those two out of our back three and suddenly we'd be looking at what would it have been? Uh, Jake Wright, you know, maybe Hennigan and one other I guess in that defence without Stearman. So to me that's yeah. proved to be a really a really good signing, um for, which again didn't cost us very much money. Uh, he knew exactly what you were going to get out of him—a a good quality championship defender. So, yeah, I think that's that's in the conversation. Um, in t- just have to give a shout out to this seeing as he's he's no longer with the club, even though we, yeah, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. But in terms of value for money, I would actually have Clayton Donaldson as my my runner-up best signing of the season. Fifty grand, scored five pretty crucial goals, gave us cover when we needed it. Um, you know, you can't ask much more for. The level of you know outlay that we had for him, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I can I can appreciate that. I think me and you are on the same wavelength with Donaldson uh, Ben, to be honest. It, again, some some other fans aren't, and that's fine. It's all about opinion. But I, I, I sometimes you have to look at age, at value of players, where they're at in their career, and say what more could we have asked? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Has Clayton Donaldson ever been a technically solid player who doesn't give the ball away? No. You know, when he's in his in his pomp at Brentford. Um, and in his kind of late years at Birmingham, he was just a beast. He was a running engine who was strong and fast and who played the lone man role better than anyone. Mm. Um and he, he did his job for us, you know, fifty grand, five goals, it's in modern football, that's completely valuable. I mean he's the what is the third high scorer in the team. Yeah. At the age of thirty four for fifty grand. Yeah, but it doesn't matter what his return is. He's, he's Through his minutes per goal ratio, he's done quite well, to be quite frank.
0: Definitely. Well, he's done more than uh, than some other players have done, which is a, a good segue into uh, worst signing award. So <laughs> so I, I'm going I'm to double down here on, uh, <laughs> on what we went through with the last podcast. My my worst signing of the season is Ched Evans. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so my, <laughs> my reasoning for that is, because uh, I, I think a lot of people will probably think James Wilson here, I reckon, but unlike Wilson, Evans didn't score a goal. It cost us money and we can't send him back. <laughs> We're stuck with him. So <laughs> uh, to me, that is, yeah. uh, that is my, my clear worst signing of, uh, yeah, of the last 12 months. How about you? Um. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to agree. Um, also, Yes, we all know the Ched situation what's gone on in the past. Um, but Ched, Ched was with us from the summer. Um, yes, he didn't have a pre-season because of his injuries, but he, he was with the squad a longer period of time. So in terms of style of play and, and training with the boys, you know, learning the intricacies of, of how we play and where he needs to be, he was in the fold a lot longer than Wilson. Um, I, I don't think for, for anyone out there, we, we can sometimes underestimate how hard it is coming into a team in January. Yeah straight into the middle of a rugby games. Like Wilson was 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 in He was played straight away. Obviously scored against Norwich. um But you know it's exceptionally hard. There's not much work done on the training ground through January, February, March. It's all about recovery and just planning for the next game. So
0: mm.
1: Ched Ch- Ch- was with the squad a lot longer, and he just doesn't. When I watch him play, and my point about this is, is when I watch Ched play, it's like he's never seen Sheffield United play.
0: Mm.
1: He, he he doesn't. Do the things that a Sheffield United striker at the moment needs to do in this in this team in terms of hold up play, running the channels, uh, linking the play. I, I know I know he could before, mm. so the talent probably is there, which is why I think Wilder did the interview the other week about him staying and, and hoping he can improve and push on. I think we all hope that there is something still there, but he was extremely disappointing, and it did bring. Regardless whether it's right or not, some negative media as well.
0: Mm. I'm surprised that he's not on the um, transfer list with some of our other players. I, I'm
1: I'm not, and the only reason I'm not surprised, despite our protestations about potentially him 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 being shot now at this level, is I think I think this is probably why I'm not a football manager. <laughs> this, is, this is good man management from Wilder, and he's yeah. also backing himself. Um, you know. Th- when we signed Cheddar, and there was not uproar, but there was, a, you know, discussion points about it. Chris was very, very staunch in the fact that this was his man. Mm. This wasn't a club choice. He chose Ched. Him and Paul Mitchell, they backed Cheddar. Uh, and I think Chris is just trying to protect his man and defend his own
0: decision. And, and if it comes good, let's be honest, we'll all be saying Wilder's a genius. Absolutely, and we'll all be very happy. Um, who, yeah. who else was in your uh, in in the conversation for worst signing? Do you think anyone else?
1: Yeah, this is, this is a real tough one. Um, and again, I'll get shot for this on Twitter. Um, well, that's what this award's got,
0: for, to, to create yeah, some controversy. If,
1: if we are doing this season alone, worst signings of the season, Ryan Leonard has to be very... It, it, honestly, Ryan Leonard would be closer than James Wilson for me.
0: Yeah, same.
1: So. Um, because we spent a lot of money on Ryan Leonard. We chased him for so long, £750,000 for us is a lot of money. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, could we have plowed that money in some wages and got a, a better striker, for example? Possibly. I, I, you know, Ryan Leonard's money has not been integrally played, has it? Uh, and what he's done in the games that he's played has shown nothing so far. Yeah. Caveat, you know, the caveat, Chris Wilder is a very knowledgeable person. His recruitment is normally sound. I'm sure Ryan Leonard will become a fantastic player for us. Um, You know, again, with a pre-season, learning our system, fitter and stronger, more adept to the championship, there is surely a player there. Yeah, but in terms of value and, and what's given, Lennon has to be extremely
0: close. Yeah, that, I've also got uh, got him down as a, a potential runner-up. But yeah, as, as you rightly say, um, <clears throat> I won't be surprised in the slightest if he becomes a good championship midfielder. It's just yeah. right now we haven't seen anything of that, as we talked about last time as well. Um, the other one I've got here is uh, is Ricky Holmes, um, who you know, yeah, yeah it didn't cost as much money, but we've barely seen him. He, you know. I don't think he was even making the bench towards the end of the season. Um, he's thirty years old, so has very little resale value, really. Um, whereas Leonard probably does. I reckon we'd probably be able to at least get our money back for him if we, you know, for some reason needed to move him on. Um, but yeah, he yeah. was just in the conversation as well. But um, yeah, I had to had to go with Evans. I think. All right, uh, where, where do you want to go next? Should we do? Um, should we do funniest moment of the season? Do you want to give me your uh, the thing that that amused you the most this season?
1: Uh, other than the Jack Hunt nutmeg, um, <laughs> there was a couple. Uh, I remembered this one, and then someone threw out a meme on Twitter the other day, and I was so happy someone else saw it, but it was the the John Fleck, um, just complete domination of Samuel Saez uh, at Leeds. Um, so I, think, <laughs> I can't remember if it was fashion, but someone went flying in on Saez away at Leeds, um, and he got up and... Uh, Saez is quite an aggressive little fellow, isn't he? With a bit of poor disciplinary, and he got up and he started pushing away at, at one of the United players. And Fleck just came over, gave him a sh- you know, gave him a shoulder barge that knocked him to the floor. And quite frankly, should have been sent off for it um, <laughs> yeah, in the modern that. day. But then just stood over him, looking at him as if to say, if this was in the middle of Glasgow, you'd be in trouble, mate. <laughs>
0: um,
1: uh, and it was just brilliant because Saez is just on the deck, and he must have been thinking, I've just been dominated by a five foot, you know, five foot small guy. Yeah. And we all know Fleck's got a bit of spirit about him. Um, funniest moment for me, he's it, probably the wilder interview after the Ipswich Cup game regarding Regan Slater's tackle. Oh, go on. Um, have you ever heard a manager talk like that? I haven't.
0: <laughs> not uh, I've, I've not this a, talk, a modern
1: day manager. Oh, just... That, that's Brian Clough. I, I was about to say, state. yeah, I could have
0: seen Brian Clough stay, saying something like that, but uh, yeah, not, in, not in 2018.
1: No, that that is my funniest moment because I I'd not been to the game. I'd to be honest with you, I'd not really tracked it much. Um, you know, with it being the FA Cup at that stage, and is Ipswich ever an interesting game with McCarthy in charge? No. Yeah. Um. Do
0: do you want to just just quickly explain explain what it was for uh, anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, if you don't know, please try and find it um, on the BBC website because it is great. But basically, in the game, um, on the highlight, Regan Slater does perform a proper old school challenge. You know, the, the ball's kind of 50-50, the Ipswich players come steaming in for a shot and Slater absolutely commits, full body and all, takes the ball, takes the player. The ball goes about a mile away as well. It was just a, a proper tackle as, as it should look like. And after the game, you know, Wilder took Slater to the, the away fans, you know, pointed at, I mean, pointed at the badge, giving it that he's, he's one of our own and in the interview after, just said that that tackle was, uh, was made in Sheffield. Um <laughs> along with some other comments that are worth a listen to. It was just... It, it was typical Chris Wilder, but more than that, it was a manager who
0: knew he's in, and is connected to his fan base. Mm, definitely. That, is, uh, that was good. That, was, that wasn't on my list, but only because i have forgotten about it, actually. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and actually, as we've been talking, uh, the Fleck thing did remind me of... Um, you know, may, maybe not funny in the context of the season, but Blackman's red card against Brentford had me in stitches. <laughs> so... <laughs> Holding the ball out of the reach of uh, the diminutive Ryan Woods, should we say? Um, I, I think the the captions we saw was like when the uh, when the year year fives ask for their ball back, and he's just holding the holding the ball out of the reach of uh, of Woods. And it, you know, even though he got sent off and missed three games, which you know has some impact on the pitch, it really tickled me. I thought if you're going to get sent off, that is uh, that is a good way to do it. Um, couple of others I've got here. Uh, Barnsley getting relegated is a little bit funny. Yes, that's a bit mean, but I think it was worth mentioning. Um, uh. Uh, taking our time at Norwich kind of goes without that saying. That was very karmically uh, pleasing. Um, I know yeah. everyone enjoyed that one. Um, and then uh, I, I don't know whether you remember this, but coming back to that Derby home game, uh, you can see it on, I think it's on Shoreham View's vlog of this. So, and it might be a Derby fan actually because it's from the away end, but um, somebody lobs a beer bottle from the Derby end onto the pitch and uh, Sharp, in the act of removing it from the pitch, picks it up and pretends to have a swig out of it with a big grin on his face. And you can hear all the Derby fans sort of laughing and cheering a little bit. So that, that was uh, that was very amusing. But I think the um, maybe this is just too obvious, but the, the number one funniest moment of the season, Mark Duffy stopping the bouncing. How can that not be the funniest moment? Still, still good I, I... even now.
1: I apologise. I thought we were leaving Sheffield Wednesday out. Clearly, that is the number one.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I'll just make a quick note of your your other one here. Cool. Uh, all right. So, and let's quickly just nail this one. Actually, who's um, your player of the season? So, last time we rated all the players, uh, I gave Leon Clark ten out of ten, and no other players ten out of ten. So he is by. Definition, my player of the season. But you gave nine out of ten to I think three players. So do you want to do you want to pick one of them as your player of the season?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, to be honest, it was quite an easy one. Um, for one, it's John Fleck. I thought it might be. <clears throat>
0: uh,
1: it, it just has to be uh, Flecky. Um, yeah. Without going too in depth, because I think we did the stats last week and things, but just integral, integral to everything we have done, especially in the second half of the season. But I uh, I don't think there's there's many better midfielders in the division. I, I actually don't. Um, and yeah. and that's not that's not just stats either. That's that's you know, that's other things as well, but I mean it, it, he's he's sixth as well I got cuz some other stats that I did. He's actually sixth in the league in big chances created. So in terms of opportunities that you sh- you should definitely be scoring from, mm. John Fleck is the sixth best in the league at doing that. Um nice. but but then he's also quite high in in you know general pass act that, so he can play deep, he can play more forward, he can tackle.
0: I just love him. Um, he's one of the best midfielders I've seen in a blade shirt Yeah, in a I, long, long time. I agree. He's not good enough for Scotland, though, I'm afraid. So, you know, how good can he be, really? Um, I'm not really interested about
1: that. I think John Plex <laughs> would carry on having a, a couple of bevies in Vegas with the boys and be happy. Yeah. Uh,
0: to be honest, I'd probably rather go to Vegas and uh, have a few beers and play a friendly for Scotland, so... You know, okay. I, I think he's actually in a good situation. There, good man. Yeah. All right. Uh, let Let's do worst moment of the season. Uh, and 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 I think I, I kind of cited this one in our emails to each other as like, oh, I'm sure we'll definitely agree on this one. Uh, and you you intimated that actually we probably won't. So I'm I'm curious. Do you want to do you want to hit me with your your worst moment of 2017-18?
1: Yeah, I found this difficult to narrow to a worst. There's obviously
0: ones that are. A bad instantly
1: um but but the worst was hard so i guess i wouldn't say this is a top three it's kind of two or three that i think of i'm not really sure which one is worse all right um and the first one that came to mind was holloway
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh which was just highly disappointing for numerous reasons that we, we've discussed on the pod at the time but uh just a poor poor performance against at the time what was a poor poor side mm. in a game that we had to really, as well, to keep the, the chase alive, as it were, um, although that kind of went on for a long time um, at that point. Hmm. A, another couple of ones would be, I think, for me, Forest at home, not because of the performance, but because of what it meant at the time. I, I think around that time, I realised we weren't going to make the playoffs anymore, um, because we weren't good enough. Results yeah. were just flying against us at that time, so I weren't happy at that. I thought you were going to say Forest um, at
0: home, because it was bloody freezing, and Kept snowing, even though it was like March or something. But that's a good reason
1: there was, well. the, the, Yeah, there was that as well. I mean, it was just a time of year. And I, I think at that time, you know, the pressure was getting on and, and we were dropping um, yeah. a little bit like flies um, around that time. I guess, I guess the biggest one for me was Barnsley away. Mm, I thought you might say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm picking moments, I say moments, I'm picking games really at the
0: results. But Barnsley
1: away, again, because of what it meant at the time. I, yeah. I, again, after, after Barnsley away, although we went and
0: beat Middlesbrough after, that was it. That, that we was a signal, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, we went 2-1 up and then we lost to a, well, by definition, a very poor team. Ended up getting relegated. Yeah, although my number one, actually, was Cardiff at home. Oh. Yeah, oh, exactly. Even saying that it reason, just makes me angry. Yeah, there's yeah. that, that's, that's a good shout. So um, I've gone with, this is probably the most obvious to me, but uh, Paul Coot's injury was my worst moment of the season. Uh, I imagine a, a lot of fans, that will spring to mind for them as well. Um, I mean, whether whether or not you buy the argument that this kind of killed our season, uh, the, the truth is I'd rather not have to have that discussion. You know, I'd rather he'd have just been carrying on playing uh, and then we could have seen if we'd have dropped off even with him still playing. Um, but yeah, it was kind of just that he was playing at an absolute peak level, uh, and he was just such a, a central component to our team at that point. And it was it was just gutting to realise we weren't going to see that again for the rest of the season. And you know, without wanting to you know, bring everybody down, you know, possibly ever again. I mean, we you know, I know it's apparently as leg breaks go, it's not uh, not as bad as it could have been. But there's no real way to know for sure that Coots is going to return to that level this season. I mean. I certainly certainly hope he does. And I think, you know, from... I would imagine it's probably more likely than not that he does. But, yeah, that was was a real kick in the teeth. Um, And it it just looks even worse in retrospect than it did at the time, I think. Yeah, no,
1: it's a fair point. I mean, I... I did think of it, and to be honest, I'm quite reluctant ever to discuss it. Not not because of how bad it was, but because it does bring up that argument, doesn't it? Yeah. What if? Um. And I, and I don't I don't think it's as simplistic as that, but yeah. For an isolated moment, it was sickening. Um. Just just for Cootsie himself, more than our season, you know, to see a player playing quite clearly at the peak of his powers, um, being central to a team's success over the last you know 24, 48 months, it 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 was sickening, and it, and it was. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about him, but it was an absolutely shocking challenge. It shouldn't. There's no place for anything like that in
0: football. It shouldn't have been done. It wasn't by accident, um, and it, it was sickening to see. Controversial. I actually thought it was just uh, just trying to block a shot, to be honest. But that's all right. We can, I, I, we can have different. He was, things. he was. He was trying to block the shot. I
1: agree. I'm not saying he meant to break anyone's leg or anything, but I, you know, we've all played football.
0: I don't think you stamp down like that without having half an idea of what could happen. Fair enough. I, I won't argue with that. Um, some of my my other ones. I just want to quickly mention. Uh, you know, losing nil nil at home to Wednesday was was pretty embarrassing. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, it just I actually just do want to mention that just very quickly, and this is a good context to to kind of point it out. It was one of the great kind of readjustments of uh, expectation and and rewriting of perspectives of, of, of recent years. I think like. You know they were they were supposed to hammer us in both games, and you know they they came out of that like like they'd beaten us, and you know I think a lot of United fans also bought into it, which was quite frustrating because f- from my point of view I was like brilliant, we won at their place, they didn't win at ours, four points off, um, now we can get on with the rest of the season, hopefully getting the playoffs. The, the thing for me with derbies, I always maybe I'm alone in this, but I always feel this like when you when you're playing away at the uh, at, you know at Hillsborough it's kind of like a free hit like you're you're, i expect us to lose so if we get a draw or if we win it's phenomenal but if we lose it's like well it's a their place you know that that was always probably likely to happen and the the opposite is true as well if we're playing at home losing at home is like the absolute nightmare scenario like a draw is okay a win is obviously great but yeah losing at home is like the ultimate embarrassment so that was something I was extremely keen to avoid. Unless we forget, we were we were very close to actually having that become reality. But for the the great save by Moore late on as well. So, yeah, that was, you know, I've put that in there jokingly as a bad moment. But actually, for me, I was like, oh, okay, pretty happy with that. Four points off Wednesday. Thank you very much. Enjoy the fight for sixteenth place or wherever it is you're going to finish. Um, and awesome. then the the other two, I've just got uh, the defeat to Barnsley, obviously. Uh, The late defeat to Bristol City uh, was very gutting and would actually be my real runner-up, I think, for Worst Moment, as we'd been brilliant and they had not been brilliant at all and we just got completely stung. Um, And then the the other one I had was conceding so quickly against Millwall in the home game. Uh, I just want to bring that up because I think it's worth reiterating just how close we were at this point. You know, we, We went ahead in that game. I think that would have taken us level on points for Millwall, which would have been possibly into the playoffs or certainly level with the teams in the playoffs, you know, win that, and we would have been right in the playoff mix. I know that's a cliche, but that was it was literally yeah. true in that case. And you know, that was only a couple of games for the end of the season, so it was a real it was a real boot in the face to concede immediately uh, in that game. But there you go. All right, th- th- yeah. that's negativity corner done. I think for the rest of the podcast. So hopefully, we didn't lose too many people there. Um, <laughs> do you want to give me your your top three games of this season? And again, you can interpret this how you like. But yeah, do you want to do you want to run those through for me? So
1: so number one, Wednesday away. Mm-hmm. That that just wins the award, doesn't it? Number two would be Leeds away. Yeah. Um, it's just <laughs> any day, any any time we beat we Leeds and Wednesday in the same season away from home is that's a season to remember, regardless of finishing position. Yeah, um, we're doing we're doing games now, aren't we? Top three games. Yeah. Um, oh. oh. There's a couple now that could kind of go into the third one. But I'm going to say, because I was there, and it doesn't get talked about that often, but I'm going to say Villa away. Yeah, that was a good game. And the reason I'm saying that is to be 2-0 down away at Aston Villa as a Sheffield United fan would normally mean, at the very best, a 2-0 loss. Yeah. At the very worst, a Tonkin. And quite frankly, we were brilliant at 2-0 down. You know, it, it was the first game I think that John Lundstrom got a lot of credit from the fans as well, um, Donaldson as well. Yeah, it, and it was just it, it was it again it was another another part of our season that was underrated. Um, was was just the, the constant belief that we could play, although we never actually got back into that many games this year. We're not one of the best sides at, at getting back into games, so that was another reason that I loved it because. We actually showed a bit of fight, a bit of resolve to get back into a game, rather than just trying to win it, playing the good football that we do. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get spoken about often that game actually, but it, just a huge result. I mean, it's Aston Villa. These, this is a
0: massive football team. Absolutely. I'm just going to look this up, but I, I believe that was sort of that kind of ended a, a losing skid, I think, or thereabouts. So, yeah, it did. It did indeed. Yeah. So our previous our previous four games uh, lost at Preston. Lost at home to Bristol City, lost at Millwall, drew with a relegation place Birmingham team, lost at home to Fulham, yeah. so our previous five games, sorry. And then the game before that was the Coots injury. So that was, yeah, yeah I, like you say, 2 0 down. Uh, I was watching on Skyron there, but 2 0 down, I was like, ah, oh, flipping eight, we're, we're going to get an hammer in here. Like, it's, it's just all unraveled. And then, yeah, to fight back and arguably become the better team in that game as well. And then, yeah, we you know, results picked up slightly into the new year as well. So, yeah, I think that's a good shout. Um, my my three, uh, I also, uh, Wednesday uh, away is the first game, which, uh, you know, objectively was an extremely good game, even if you're watching it as a neutral. I think it was just a, a great, it, it had drama, but it was also a great example of attacking play from United, uh, you know, kept the foot on, kept on the front foot, kept trying to score goals all the way through the game. Uh, really good. Uh, I had to give a shout out to, uh, even though we didn't get anything out of this game the the five four game with Fulham it was, yeah I mean, yeah that was it that was, was, it was close that was unlike anything I've ever seen in person before um it's just a, a an incredible game in in every sense of the word really I mean you know nine goals is always gonna be entertaining but it was it just had it all really you know it had mistakes it had great strikes as it happens we ended up seeing you know some of the best players in the division uh you know playing for playing for fulham and i guess for us as well of course but um yeah the only reason i'd have this in second place is uh you know two of our goals were were very late and whilst we were you know we still had a shot at equalizing i think or i felt we were still in the game you know it, it was sort of five uh five two at one point or for a, a little while there so yeah change change late on i suppose um and then my other one was uh was the 4-1 win over hull again uh just because I thought that was our best forty-five minutes of the season. We just destroyed him in the second half, and actually was the point where I thought I will I will have a go at starting a podcast because I really need to talk about that game. There's a lot to get off my chest there. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, that was my number three. But I'm, I'm glad we uh, glad we agree on on Wednesday away. I suppose that's not a particularly controversial choice. Um, all right. Uh, what about biggest surprise of the season? So this could be good or bad. It could be a result. It could be performance or or anything really. But you know, to you personally, what was your surprise of the season? Um, I've got a couple. Um, number one, I'm going to go
1: right off the bat with number one, because I don't think anything comes close to this in terms of surprise, is Leon Clark. Yeah. Um, at, at no point in the last previous 12, 24 months, if you said to me, Leon Clark will be your main striker in the championship, would I have expected 19 goals out of him? Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's not a detriment to him because he actually was all right. He was very good at the end of last year and in League One did score goals, but he was quite integral to the you know the way we played as well with his link-up play. But he's outstanding. He's never scored this many goals, and he's never definitely scored this many at this level. Definitely. You know, he's absolutely out, he's outscored strikers worth fifteen million quid. Yeah. Let's. Play. It doesn't matter. I, I know I have the stats behind big chance conversion and shots per got. None of that matters. He's outscored people worth tens of tens of millions of pounds. So if if Leon was twenty eight, quite frankly, we'd be fielding bids of ten million for him, mm. quite easy. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and also uh, to come back to some of your stats, I mean that's that's in a team, Sheffield United, that don't create as many big chances as um, as a lot of other teams in in relative yeah, league position true. do. So. Yeah, his his return sort of outperforms the the chances that he would expect to get if he was playing for Fulham or you know Brentford. In fact, to teams like that.
1: Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, and and on that front as well as uh, as we do like to do on this pod uh, when we have our, our more favourite players, we do like to give a bit of a defence of them. Um, this whole this whole big chances missed thing that we talk about. So yes, I know that does that start. But in terms of fan conversation, we talk about we miss sitters. Um, and things like this so Leon Clark has missed I think the second most big chances um, but if you look at the top 10 in that top 10 is Vidra Diego Jota Lee Gregory the list goes on but in essence what I'm trying to say is also the top 10 goal scorers for the yeah. league my, my, uh, if you look at the Premier League it's exactly the same the person who has missed the most big chances in the Premier League is Mohamed Salah mm-hmm. he's also scored the most my, I guess my point I'm saying is you don't miss big chances if you're not there yeah. Um. And this is the the key part of this, Leon. You know, yes, we're creating for him and we're playing well for him, especially towards the, the end of the season. But Leon's there and he's he's not been there previously in his career. Quite frankly, he, you know, his movement's good. He completely gets the way we play. How we work it in, work it out wide to come back into the middle. He's completely integral to that. Um. And I just think, honestly. You know, we're on. We're all on about buying strikers in the summer. Granted, it is needed, and and we'd like improvement or variety in that area. But we cannot discount the fact that we've just got the second highest top goal scorer in
0: the league. Mm. Indeed, that certainly was a big surprise for me as well. What, what, did you have a couple others you wanted to chuck in?
1: Uh, no, go on. I'll hear yours, Ben, because you might cover some that I've not. So.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, to be honest, mine's kind of linked to so the, the the big surprise for me was was just how. Comfortably, our players stepped up another league. Um, yeah, but I, I, I mean, Clark should be in this as well. But uh, I kind of name check it in some other areas. But I, I would particularly highlight Duffy and Basham in that regard. I just, I just didn't expect them to be able to. I mean, you know, Duffy was deemed not good enough for the championship by, uh, well, I guess Burton and Birmingham, and he he yeah. consistently looked one of the best attacking midfielders in the league. Like, you know, he just. Just give him the ball and he doesn't give it away. He creates a chance, he has a shot, it just he just looks phenomenal for, you know, sixty or seventy minutes until his until his legs start to tire. And you know, I just didn't expect that at all. And then, yeah, you know, same with same with Basham. Uh I thought he'd really have difficulty in the championship, especially playing central defence. But if anything, he's been even better than last season, particularly uh going forward, I think. So yeah, that was Yeah. To me, that was a huge surprise for both of those two and Clark as well, definitely. Um, but obviously a very, very pleasant one to show, to see. I mean, you could say it pretty much about the entire team, really, how how comfortably our players stepped up to, uh, to I, La Liga.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know, on that point, actually, so that, that was my next biggest surprise. It wasn't just our performance. I always thought we'd do 10th to 14th is where I, my, my expectations of where we finished were. Mm. Um, it, it was the style yeah, you know, I'm, I'm never bored watching Sheffield United. Sometimes there was periods of the season, I think it was a, a six, seven game period when we first started talking a lot on the pods where we weren't creating many good chances. Yeah, But even then, our football is it, still fantastic. You know, all, all these coaching manual terms that people use, you know, playing through the thirds in half spaces, we do it all, you know, and it, it's done by a, a team and a system that are so underrated um, you know, uh, we spoke about this before. I know Millwall have had a fantastic season, finished higher than us, and it, probably if anyone deserved the Manager of the Year award, it, it was Neil Harris. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, rather than the the guy who won it at Wall, spending 50 million on a Champions League centre mid, um, mm. but never mind. Um, but you know, you know, I, I will stand by what I say, and I like the way Millwall play. It's aggressive, it's fast, and we'll get onto that in a minute when we talk about opposition we might not want to play next year, but. <laughs> I, I don't think that that is sustainable in the long term, and it is based upon individual players. It's based on Steve Morrison doing what he does. Mm. It's based on Gregory doing what he does, and and Jed Wallace and George Savall have had seasons that they've never had before. You know, uh, it, it, they've they've assisted and, and set goals up like they've never done before. Mm. I don't think as much as our system is important for, for Fleck and O'Connell and for Duffy. I, I think we have a system now. I think we have a Sheffield United identity and style of play, and there's there's one man to thank for that.
0: Yeah. And he's, he's not going to join Sunderland, at least not yet. <laughs> um, nice. So a couple of my other surprises that were kind of in the in the mix here. Uh, that whole defeat was a was a genuine what the hell moment. Mm. Uh, you know, did not expect that at all. And then the ensuing fallout as well among uh, you know Wilder lobbed some comments in there that essentially intimated that. Uh, well, I mean, he he, he literally said maybe I've taken this group of players as far as I can. And I mean, if you imagine if he'd said that in the last couple of weeks, it would have been a a nuclear detonation, I think. Um, But yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, Burton looking half-decent at Bramall Lane. That really took me by surprise. (laughs) I know we won that game uh, 2-0, so, you know, fairly comfortable. But at that point, I think they were the lowest scorers and had the worst defence in terms of goals conceded as well. And they looked okay. I was really surprised. Um, And then the other one was just... uh, I was surprised how quickly opposition decided to play defensively against us at Bramall Lane. It took yeah. about it took about 8 games I reckon uh to go from oh these guys were in league 1 last year easy win to we start with a point we will hold on to that point and if we can nick a goal we will hold on to those 3 points and play super defensively. You know if, if you contrast that with how uh Brentford I mean maybe it's just not in Brentford's nature to play but how Brentford played in the first game of the season where they were very gung ho and like we're you know we're we're coming at you the whole game basically to uh Norwich is obviously the most obvious example, but then we kind of saw it for the rest of the season you know teams would no longer look at the lane as an opportunity to uh to get more than one point so yeah i was I was surprised how quickly teams decided to do that i mean it's fine you know it's a legitimate way of playing and um you know, certainly, if, if we'd done similarly in some of our away games, or or had the ability to do it, we might have finished in the playoffs. But yeah, I was just surprised how quick it was to uh, to get to that point. Yeah, I, yeah, couldn't agree more.
1: Um, again, just 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 falling into that that, that style of play. It's it, I, I've never seen it before at Sheffield United. We're the team that sit back. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're the attritional team. We're the team that pay percentages that dig in and fight and, and all these words that you you kind of associate with a Sheffield United team. We can do that, but that's not us at all. We're the team that dominate the game. We, we don't care who we play. We're just, we're going to have a go. And, and the Fulham game was the best example of that. Whether mm. that's cost us or not, I don't really care. I don't want that to change. Yeah. Um. I, I think if you carry on playing like that, and, and eventually the backing comes, Chris Wilder will get it right, and we'd, we'll eventually be very close um, to yeah. being a Premier League team. But that Fulham game was just—I've never seen it in my lifetime—a game uh, just end-to-end end, basketball. It was. It was yeah. basketball. It was end-to-end, end. and. and when you see these Premier League teams, you know Everton fans up in arms. They finished eighth in the Premier League, but they're bored. Yeah, you know where, where Stan fans are bored because they're never going to win anything, so they want to be entertained. And we've got a side that, regardless of who's in it and how much they cost, they go out there, put 120 percent in, and try and take the game to the opposition. I know I'd rather support. Mm,
0: supreme value for money for my renewed season ticket. Can't argue with that. Yeah. All right, let's. Uh, we've got a few more, so let's uh, let's let's whip through these fairly quickly then. So. Um, Who was your best opposition player this season? Uh, It must be based on a performance against United, so not just some random performance you saw on Sky.
1: Yeah, um, this one was a slightly difficult one. Um, Predominantly, I've been to home games and watched away games through iFollow, so it was a bit of a... Sometimes you can't quite see who the players are on iFollow because you don't have the commentary as well. Um, But I, I would probably go with Ryan Sessegnon, Yep. Um, who ripped us to bits in the 5-4 game.
0: Uh, although, to be fair Session to him, for that reason.
1: Yeah, to be fair to him as well, Shea, Shea Ojo, the guy on loan from Liverpool, who was on the other side that night, also played exceptionally well. But yeah. we, we couldn't we couldn't handle that counter-attacking pace. Um, and we, do, we did play into Fulham's hands, but my God, when he's one-on-one with the defender, he's outstanding. It would have been on my plane to the World Cup, I know that much.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Not, not to segue too much into that, but... Yeah, I, I would have been okay with that. I tried to just for fun the other day, I tried to do one of those pick your England twenty-three thing. Yes. Flipping, eh? <laughs> you know, once yeah. you get past about twelve people, it's like, geez, do I really want to take him to a World Cup? Why like why not just take on for fun? I'm not saying yeah, he's like exactly one of the best that. five attackers in England or anything like that, but it's kind of like, why not, eh? But then I don't know, maybe that's a maybe that's a getting excited as a fan. So he he was also my number one. Um the other one in that game, I thought uh, Tom Kearney was was absolute class in that game and just yeah yeah just ran the game. Uh, Neves was was phenomenal against us in the away game against Wolves. Obviously scored that unbelievable goal, um, and I, I thought Grealish was also uh, also very good for Villa uh, in the home game, even if he's a bit of a divisive kind of figure. Um, but yeah, those those were mine. Uh, any others to? Oh, well, actually,
1: go on. Sorry, yeah, I just want I just want to add one in, and who I wish we'd signed a long time ago. And I have been shouting, his name. Luke Freeman for QPR. In yeah, the game that we beat them two um, one, wasn't it? We beat them in that second half. He is the one of the most outstanding individuals I've seen. Yeah, yeah. They they weren't that good in the second half. If you if you ever rewatch that game back, everything came through Freeman. Not only the goal, every cross, every good pass, every bit of skill. It was all through him. Um, his stats of the season show how good he is but in, in terms of that one game he was fantastic I'd love him at United
0: uh, yeah I'm, I'm with you I mean I remember um, I wanted us to sign him in when he was at Stevenage so I'm just looking now it was, yeah. you know, it was 20, 2012 or 2013 I think and he, he basically did that performance playing against us for Stevenage yes. he is still pretty young he's only 26 Um, yeah he's so, been around for years I remember he left, he left Arsenal at 15 to go to Gillingham I remember that all right. Nice. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, another good shout. Someone else I'd considered, actually. Um, give me your team that you're most looking forward to playing next season. Uh, obviously, we're recording this before the playoff finals, so mainly to have some artistic license here. But yeah, the, the team you're most looking forward to playing Sheffield Wednesday. Ooh,
1: yes. bold. No, I am. And I am. And it's not its not through an arrogance or a confidence that we will beat them or anything like that. I, you know me, Ben. I'm not one of those blades. I will be sat there as a nervous wreck. Um, but I, I don't see why in any way we should fear them. Yeah, They will be better, I've got no doubt, but we shouldn't fear them. And also, it's what we wanted for seven years of sitting in, well, six years of League One. We wanted the derby. Yeah, um, yeah, we want Premier League and whatnot, but we want, we want the derby. We want Leeds away. We want these big games and there's no bigger game than Wednesday. Um and also because we didn't beat them at home this year, I want to beat them at home. Nice. Um, you know, I want that Bramall Lane feeling. We've had it before, and it's there's no, there is no better feeling. I know the away game people will say that, but because it can't be shared in the stadium with as many blades, it, it sometimes isn't the same. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Wild is the same as well. I'm sure he's itching to get that Bramall Lane derby win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Funnily enough, we're going to come on to the team that you're not looking forward to playing next season and I have Wednesday as one of my <laughs> teams that I don't All want right, to play. Right, okay. One of my, my notes here say uh, who on earth looks forward to derbies?" and the answer is you, obviously. <laughs> so, fair enough. It's not, that
1: look, right, it's not that I look forward to them. The week before, work's a nightmare. I, yeah. you know, I'm I'm, hor- I'm horrible to the misses and my son <laughs> will get none of my attention. You know, I should, I'll be an absolute wreck. But, just, just, like it is the greatest game in the world if you win, you know. Like yeah. you said, in the pub, smiling three days after the Derby win at Wednesday, life's never as good. Um, and I, I want that Bramall Lane. I'm not saying we're going to get it, uh, but I want that Bramall Lane win. I want that performance. I want that sharp goal. I, I you know, I, I want huge things next year. Um, and that'd be one of them. So I, I can't enough. not look forward.
0: That's
1: good. Who are you looking forward to? Yeah, but
0: my, my answer is far less interesting, to be fair. Um, it's Nottingham Forest. I think we owe them after okay. two below par performances uh, and letting them nick off with four points from us. Uh, particularly that that game in the snow that we talked about, we were just we were just rubbish. Uh, I always like games with Forest. You know, there's 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 a sort of healthy rivalry there where it's like I think everyone's quite up for it, but it doesn't exactly ruin my weekend if we lose to them. Uh, they always you know they always always bring a good crowd. It's you know it's it's a good away trip as well. Easy enough to get to. So yeah, they're they're on my list of. Uh, teams I'm looking forward to playing next season. The other one was, um, if they come up, Rotherham, because uh, I've never been, so I hope I'll be able to go. Uh, and if they, right. if they stay down, it would be Villa, because uh, yeah, we had two cracking games with them this season, and, and I thought their fans were really good at the lane as well. So, yeah, those would be yeah. those would be the ones I'd look forward to, I reckon.
1: I would throw, just quickly as well, I know we got a push of the time, but I would throw Stoke away in there as well. You if you've
0: anything- you been if Stoke- to Stoke...
1: Anything- I have, yes. Um, I used to go to university around there as well. So. Uh, I, I meant, um, well, fair enough.
0: But as, a, as an away fan, have you been uh, to the ground? I have, yeah. I, okay, I went
1: there. Um, there was a there was a game on Sky, and I can't remember what year it was, but it's when we had Gary Cahill and Lone. Oh, I, don't know,
0: um, I, think I know which one you
1: mean. Yeah, and K- it was the game where Cale was just phenomenal, headed everything. It's where Stoke had Rory Delap. Mm. Um, but if Stoke go anything back to that kind of atmosphere again, the Britannia Rock it, it's absolutely rocking.
0: Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and as an away. We'll take a decent crowd there, I'd imagine. So that's true. You know, it's all—it's always a good kind of hostile, horrible place to go to, which I kind of like as an away fan sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I've only been to Stoke. I actually forgot that Stoke were down, but I don't think I have them on my most looking forward. But yeah, I've only been once, and it was—it was just a very uh, just unenjoyable trip. Really, I mean, we didn't. I think we drew nil nil. It was the uh, it was the triple assault season under Warnock. Um, So we're kind of chasing promotion, but. I just thought as, a, as an away fan, particularly one taking public transport, it was like, ah, oh, the train station <laughs> is 100 miles from the stadium and I'm being filmed by police the entire way. And yeah, it was just, a, I don't know, it just wasn't the best uh, best experience. So my, uh, let's move on to the ones that we're not looking forward to playing next season. So it's, it's not Stoke, I forgot about them. Uh, it's Millwall. I know we just mentioned that as well. Uh, but yeah. I think unless we get better uh, in terms of uh, our ability to win headers at the back, which we talked about last week, uh, I just think this will be two more very tough games. And uh, no disrespect to to Millwall fans, but it's a very unappealing away trip for me as well. So that is my number one not looking forward to playing.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that, was, that was one of my number ones. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest again. I kind of like the more old school hostile type atmospheres as long as you are right, obviously. So Millwall away kind of peel at times but um it, it's you know it's not one of the nicer grounds is it um not really
0: it, i've actually only been once to and it wasn't to see united it was uh it was with my missus who's a reading fan and it was when we were living in london and uh she wanted to go so i went with her and it was just like what am i doing in my life this <laughs> is <was just> like, <laughs> this is awful Like what a terrible place to go like, even though i lived in london it's like oh this is such a such an uninspiring afternoon there you go <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I like that in
1: terms of uh, style on the pitch though yeah they've got the style to do us haven't they just that yeah. attritional the ball's not really on the floor and they're just horrible to play against um, so I'd agree that do not really looking forward to Millwall um, I'm not this is not particularly a team so I'm a little bit cheating here um, but I'm not particularly looking forward to the promoter teams coming up because okay. I've got a feeling they're going to be quite good
0: yeah, I, um, I, I keep I, reading know, this. Everyone seems to think Wigan are going to be back-to-back promotions for some reason, but yeah, fair
1: enough. No, no, no. I, I don't think back-to-back promotions at all. I do think the league will be stronger. Um, Burton, for all their trying effort um, and, and fair play to them, they'd they never have a chance really, do they? Mm. Um, you know, Budget-wise, they're blown out of the water, but we've got Wigan and Blackburn coming up. We've got bigger budgets than some of us mm. in this league. Um, and as you say, I, I do hope Rotherham come up the more close away days, the better, but they're not a bad side either um, under Paul yeah. Um So I, the league's going to be a bit stronger next year, so I, I'm still confident with us, but, you know, it, not looking forward to having an even harder away games, as it were.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, <clears throat> the, the other ones, uh, I don't know, Preston, uh, No, no disrespect to Preston, I've got, Nothing against them whatsoever. I don't think we remotely have a rivalry, but I think I've just had my fill of Preston for a few years. I know we we haven't even been in their division for a couple of years, but it just feels like we play them like three times a season. Yeah, we always seem to be playing them in the cup. And yeah, they're they're just pretty much always crap games. Obviously, we play them in the playoffs as well. And, you know, it's like 1-0 or one all at best. So I've kind of done with Preston for a while. Um, And then uh, also Bolton. Uh, for similar reasons I guess although you know at least medine isn't there anymore uh, and I suppose the other one is is norwich if they end up farting about like they did at the lane this season yeah yeah
1: i've got a Nor- i've got a norwich uh, colleague at work randomly um get, uh, he's a proper old school norwich fan he's a bit of an older guy but he's got good good banter and he he, he literally describes to me every day how much norwich hates Sheffield united now <laughs> like this this is not even this, this is not even close this is literally he says you know, on their fanzines, we are ranked as just behind Ipswich, <laughs> it's the second most hated team. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I think that's has made me look forward to the knowledge team.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I can't weigh you. Excellent. Um, all right. Uh, top three goals scored by United this season. Let's rattle these off.
1: Yeah, um. Okay, so number three would be, I think, the Leon Clark one against Hull, where he drives in and... um, Sorry, Bristol City it was, where he drives uh, yeah, in yeah. and smashes the corner. Um, absolutely love that one. Um, Although that would be joint with David Brooks away at Millwall, which was a
0: great finish. Is that, is that a joint um, third?
1: That's just a joint third, yeah. Second is going to be Lee Evans against Middlesbrough, first goal.
0: Okay. And
1: first is going to be Mark Duffy against Sheffield Wednesday.
0: Fair enough. I, I didn't actually... I, I, was, I guess I was going on technical quality here. Obviously, Duffy's, <laughs> Duffy's goal was amazing, technically. Um, but it doesn't mean my top three. I have uh, I have Evans's second against Borough. That's my number three. So this is... Uh, yeah, that, that was just like a quality short corner move, I guess. And it got played back to Brooks, who did that phenomenal Cruyff turn that sent the um, Borough defender basically into the stand. Uh it, Played a great ball on his on his weaker foot. And then Evans with that controlled volley into the corner was you know, just all-around technically fantastic goal. Um, number two is Sharps' volley against Leeds in the home game, which again was like, I think he'd just come back into the team and we'd obviously only played a couple of minutes. It was one of the first times he touched the ball and an incredibly difficult <laughs> ball to just welly into the net like he did. It was, yeah, brilliant goal. And then my number one is, uh, is Lee Evans versus Borough because, um, yeah, the, the long-range volley we talked about it at length on a previous podcast, but I don't think I've seen that technique from any player in any game ever. And I've certainly never seen it with my own eyes. So yeah, possibly my number one United goal, uh, in the time I've been watching United, I think, but certainly my, my goal of the season. Uh, any, any others to quickly name check or are you, are you good
1: there? Uh, I'm sure we could reel off a a few. I, I, I do agree though. Um, 28 years uh, watching United now, I've never seen a technically better goal. I I haven't, because you can pick strikes left, right and centre from long range that have been belted, but he knew exactly where that was going. It should be number one. It's sentimental reasons that Duffy would be number one for me.
0: Yeah, Um, can't argue with that. You know,
1: I I think sometimes goal of the seasons, yeah, you can look at the individual goal, but if you take game state into mind as well, you know, momentum, Wednesday bouncing around 2-2, they're probably thinking they're going to go on and win it and within Mm. 30 seconds to just he normally just walked on the pitch, let's not forget that. Yeah, you know, he's that's his first touch was to literally play a one two and turn, you know, apparently this Dutch center half who's like Roy Rude Hull it inside out <laughs> um, and smash it in the top bin. So <laughs> you can't get better than that.
0: No, that's I, I can't argue with you. Um, a couple of the ones I want to quickly mention, uh, Duffy's long range goal against Reading away was brilliant. Um, Clarks finish against Bristol City. I've got here as well, and I think also Flex free kick against Wednesday, which is a just a brilliant, brilliantly pure strike. You know, just to smash it into the corner of the net. Fantastic goal. So yeah, didn't quite make the cut, but worth mentioning, I think. Um, yeah. Right. Let's do. We've got a couple left. Uh, do you want to give me your three things that you've learned this season? Uh, and this can cover anything you like. Let's try and do this. Yeah. Quick. Yeah, i will got rattle through these. Um, number one,
1: I think we've already covered it, but I've learned this team is more than capable at this this level yeah. um, and not just to stay up and not just to battle in the mid-table. I think I, I've wrote a bit of an article that hopefully gets published in the next few days, but we've discussed it as well, that this is a top 10 side in this league and potentially above with a couple of improvements slash additions. So, yeah. you know, I, I, the most surprising thing for me, it, it was just how how good we are basically <laughs> against teams that are at this level. Yeah. Um, on, on that theme as well, uh, we, we never did this at player ratings last week, but was, uh, was how good Chris Wilder is at managing at this level as well. Mm. Um, uh, we never graded, you know, graded Chris Wilder. I know some fans have on, on various uh, things like Roy, Roy B. Give has, has given a grading as well. Um, and a couple of other guys have dead bat certainly has, but just that, what a manager he is at this level this, mm. this isn't just a, a, a guy managing the team who's a blades fan you know who had a decent side in league 1 who can motivate people and, and say passion and points to the shirt <laughs> yeah he's got he's got tactics uh, he knows what he's doing he's implemented a style of play that others around the league want to emulate and they as you quite rightly said they now try and negate us rather than play their own game mm. against us um it's, it's just outstanding uh and i guess number Three, three, like I learnt this season, um, is how, how together this team is. Mm. Um, I, I've tried to go a bit organic rather than stats on this. So I think we all saw in League One at the back end of League One the celebrations together. It's quite easy to, to celebrate in victory, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's quite easy to have a laugh at and have banter and be together when you're winning. We've had some dull moments this year. We've had runs where we've not been as good. There has been the Coots injury. There's been arguments. There's been fallouts. Yeah. Um, but clearly, this squad are together. Uh, you can see that at the minute; they're all out on holiday together. I'm mm. sure they club pay for that, but they're, they're all there together, and they <laughs> want them not paying no. for it. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be great. but they are. You know, they they, they want to be there, don't they? Not many yeah. teams are doing that this stage of the season. Uh, they clearly, you know, they're a together, tight knit squad. Um, probably drink a bit too much Peroni, but we're all guilty of that. Um, <laughs> you know, I just I just think it they're they're the epitome of what I would want a Sheffield United team to be, and I'm not saying that's a, a surprise as such, but I'm surprised at how they continued to stick together, how they've raised each other's levels uh, as well as their individual, and uh, and how well that stacked up against the rest of this league.
0: Yeah, good shouts. All right, my, my three things I learned this season. Uh, one we've kind of talked about already, but uh, Leon Clark is a Championship quality striker. That was that was new information for me. Very pleased to learn that one. Um, uh, the second one was uh, fan expectations can shift way faster than I thought. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think the majority of United fans uh, were not expecting us to be top of the league after 10, 12 games, or whatever it was. Uh, and then yeah, m- you know the the ensuing months felt like a bit of a disappointment for a lot of people. I think so. Yeah, th- that was that was something that surprised me a little bit. I thought people might just you know try and keep that in check and you know try and wait to see how things shaked out when shook out rather when we you know when we event- inevitably had you know some some run of bad luck or bad injuries etc so yeah that was that was one thing i learned um and then the third one uh, which was a bit of a surprise was that i realized that i don't always want my team to attack so as good as it was seeing as you know being this gung-ho let's try and get another goal kind of thing uh i, I learned during the season that uh i would be quite happy with united playing more defensively or you know, having a different way of playing uh, which may have got us the extra points when needed, uh, and yeah, that was something I kind of learned this season. You know, get away from that attack, attack, attack mentality. to like, actually, lads, you know, let's just uh, let's just try and wind this game down a little bit and make sure we, you know, win it one nil versus Cardiff, or you know, don't don't lose our point against Bristol City or Villa, etc. So yeah, just a bit of a mentality shift for me there. I think this season.
1: That's um, that's interesting. I know we're running out of time. We don't want to go on for hours and hours. That's that's interesting. Um, and I'd agree as well. I think a lot of fans probably feel the same as well. Mm. The first time ever we've gone expansive, um, gone for the win. May maybe our our ability sometimes was just lacking slightly. Um, mm. you know, and uh, maybe that, that attritional attritional in style. Um, if we had the right place to do so, would would be a better option. So that's quite interesting that you said that.
0: Cool. All right, we got we got two more. Uh, so make a much too early prediction for next season <laughs> go for it all right so
1: straight out of the head above the parapet here to get shot at isn't it <laughs> um so i think we discussed this and we say it doesn't particularly need to be league position as such it's just something that's going to happen next year
0: is that right yeah not necessarily where we're going to finish so it could be something really specific uh you know just as long as you can make a case for it really you know for it, the example i said was like you know fleck to score 10 goals or something like that but you know give, give me some uh, some backup as to why you think that alright so I'm going to go with
1: a twofold fold one um, mm-hmm. number one I think we're going to score a lot more goals through the defence I would say and midfield but my, my main point is through defence and set pieces next year ok um, the reason I think this is A um, we've been poor this year it's been an area to highlight it's been discussed in interviews from the manager through to the, the team itself um, through to various kind of fans and analysis pieces hint hint yeah. um, that, uh, that it is it's not an area that's going to kill us um, but it, it's uh, it's something to improve on yeah. and it certainly would buy us maybe potentially goals in key moments in games where we've been losing or drawing nil-nil and, and going ahead would have been the winner probably hmm. um, so I, I'm going to make a prediction that we're going to score more but alongside that I'm also going to make a prediction that we're going to concede less in general not just from set pieces and this is backed up by a certain person's brilliant article on our defence. Hint, hint to you. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if no one's read it yet, do read it. It is good. Um, and it it's basically to say that the, the goals that we conceded this year um, nominally wouldn't have been conceded a lot of them. Um, we finished the season. Depends what model you use, but we're definitely in the top two on expected goals against. Mm. Yet we have, I think it's the 10th or 11th actually best defence in the league in terms of goals considered Um, overall at the end there was a little bit of variation after your article in terms of the XG against was was slightly rising Mm. Um, but I do think that our defence is better than it's proven to be Um, that's to do with our domination of the ball but it's also to do with the chances we're giving away we defend the six yard box quite well uh, not many goals go in there isn't that many defensive mistakes and i actually think we will sign a centre half in the summer who's yeah. good in both boxes who could potentially help with that um as well i, I think that's going to happen 100% so I, I think we'll concede less goals and score more from set pieces you have
0: uh you've given the two that i also <laughs> had down here <laughs> oh, okay. so i had uh, yeah my my prediction was that we will score more than 10 goals from set pieces next season so I'm, I'm confident enough to put a number on it so just to just to flesh that out uh, we only scored nine goals this season from set pieces. So maybe that's a, you know, a conservative prediction really, but yeah, we finished 21st in the league in set piece goals and there's just no way that's that low next season, given, you know, how many corners we win, how attacking we are, etc. I mean, the only kind of counter I'd give to it is that Fulham themselves only scored 10 goals from set pieces. So just one more. Um, but yeah, I can't see how we score so few next season. It just doesn't seem possible. Um, Actually, my my other one was uh, yeah being defensively better, but specifically defensively better away from home. Um, so we yeah. we considered thirty five in twenty three away games, which is only nine teams were worse than that in the whole league. Um, I just think we'll be we'll be better tactically and, and smarter game management wise away from home, and you know try and close these games out rather than leave ourselves open next season. So I think that number comes down next season as well, unless something goes bizarrely wrong um and then the other prediction I got written down is that Chris Wilder will not be the Sunderland manager but you know that's actually been at least partially proven this morning so that's not a very not a very too early prediction at all I don't think right hey, hey, hey 30% already Ben. you're better than me <laughs> nice all right and then the last thing uh we're just going to hit this week uh, maybe we should have done this last week but better late than never. give me your rating for our season out of 10. Eight. I've also gone for eight. Go, give me, give me a logic.
1: I don't think it can be a ten because I think a ten out of ten season is, is winning promotion, even if expectations weren't that at the start. I agree. Um, and I do think there has clearly been a tail off post December, whether that's Coots' form, whatever it may have been. You know, we've all looked at this. There has been a slight tail off that did cause some some pretty poor results. Um, You know, I'm I'm not talking about games where we may have gone in expecting to win and didn't. I'm talking about games we really should have won against sides that were poor at the time. Um, And because we didn't get them results, I I don't think I can quite give us a nine either because I don't think we've been consistently great all season. However, let's be honest, uh, the the big results this year have been fantastic. We all know what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And overall, as we've discussed throughout this whole episode, we've played great football we scored a good amount of goals you know we're in the top 10 for goals scored we're also in the top 10 11 for goals conceded so we're entertaining if nothing else hmm. um but i think you know summed it up quite nicely before uh, this team play as a Sheffield United fan would want them to play
0: yeah we
1: get stuck in we're highly active we're full of energy we're full of ideas um lots of pride and passion to play for the club and the manager and i, I just think that it's uh, it's everything i could ask of a united team so I can't rank as lower than an eight. It's not been perfect, but there's always room for improvement, isn't there? And I genuinely think we will improve next year. Um I think that this team can learn and adapt and that the coaching staff will, will see the things that we've seen. You quite rightly made a great point about the away form, um, especially against the top, top 10 kind of teams. So there is improvement, but what a season it has been overall.
0: Yeah, no, you, you've, uh, you've summed it up beautifully there. I think, uh, you know, I, Excuse me. I I expected us to be sort of lower mid-table, kind of like you said earlier. Uh, I thought we'd have difficulty scoring goals this season. Sharp and Clark go and score thirty-two between them. I think it was in the end. Uh, And we spent most of the season near the top of the league. You know, literally the top of the league. It's only in you know the last sort of five or six weeks, I guess, that we sort of slid away from the playoffs. Um, You know, we we looked like we belonged against all but the top three teams, and, and even then, we should have beaten Cardiff. So there's you know there's no shame in not being as good as Wolves and Fulham to be honest, whatsoever. Um, we humiliated Wednesday, took six points off Leeds. Um, so yeah, I've, it was a it was an incredibly enjoyable season, even if we didn't get what we, I guess what it looked like we might have got out of it. I mean, I'd have given I'd have given it nine out of ten if we'd made the playoffs, and yeah, ten as you say if we got promotion. But so eight is uh, yeah, I think it's just a it's been a very very good season, even if you know it's easy to go, oh, we finished tenth, you don't get it to finish in tenth. Well well no, but as we've kind of discussed in these eighty minutes or so, uh, there's a lot of great memories there and some things that I will probably never forget, I guess, in you know, as long as I'm watching United. So yeah, eight out of ten seems seems good to me. And uh yeah, I think I think that's it, mate. We've um I believe we have hit every single category looking through these. Yes, indeed, we did. Um, that was great. I really enjoyed that. I hope other people do too. It was fun to. Uh, I think that was a, a fun way to review the season without just going, you know, month by month or running through every specific game, etc. So, um, yeah. Any any sort of final thoughts to uh, tack on the end, or all done? Uh,
1: I think we've said it all, mate. Probably much more than we needed to.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very
1: positive day, isn't it? With Wilders, you know, hopefully. Definitely committing, uh, you know. He's agreed at the minute. So hopefully they gets that signature done soon, and we we can hear from him soon as well, I'd love to hear some words from what he's got to say. Mm. Um, but let's look forward to a, 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 you know a, an interesting summer. Um, from what I'm from what I'm hearing, I don't want do to do any in the know on your podcast. but From what I'm hearing, it could be an interesting summer with some some, some key transfers. Uh, you know, a World Cup as well. It'll be interesting if nothing else. Yeah. Um, but more than that, now we, we've got a positive attitude, haven't we? we you know, yeah. Wednesday nights we're ready to drop drop there got all their memes on us of us crying and whatnot, but uh, it is not it is not so. Uh, the city is still red and white, and it is uh, very much, we're still on the march with Wilder.
0: Nice. I'm already looking forward to um, Stocksbridge away in July. Bring it on. Um, <laughs> I, I guess just before we finish, I, I should just say, um, I, I was, and I guess you were as well, but com- completely blown away by um, how many people listened to the last episode. Uh, so I, I, I think the last time I looked, it was about 1,200 people, which is, is phenomenal. I mean, that's more than most teams brought to Bramall Lane this season. So yeah, if, if you, uh, if you listened to it last week or indeed, if you obviously have listened to this one and any previous episodes, then, uh, yeah, thanks very much. I'm, I'm incredibly humbled, I guess, by the amount of people who listen to it. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much to yourself as always mate for, um, elevating the discussion and, uh, giving me somebody to, uh, yeah, chat United with on, on Twitter, over email on these podcasts as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been good, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah, definitely want to second that. It's uh, it's been a pleasure this year to kind of have
1: interaction with a lot of Blades fans. It's amazing mm. how many knowledgeable knowledgeable Blades fans we have out there. Um, you know, we, we don't claim to be experts, me and Ben. We just I think we just cover some some good topics, good debate, and we kind of express ourselves well. But there's a lot of Blades out there that do the same. Yeah, you know, you you covered a lot of the guys' content that's out there. There's there's a lot of guys doing interesting stuff for United fans. It's it's really good. You know, we all love the club, and it, it's so interesting to read some of these funny things, or maybe some of the more factual things that I do. So it, it's really interesting, um, a, a bit of a bit of a loving as well. I, I think everyone listening to the pod should should kind of give you a like, a, a retweet, and also just just drop some comments for you about how good you are at what you do. This <laughs> this has been it. I genuinely been it's been been one of the most enjoyable interactions I've ever had with any kind of football fan. It's uh, it, a lot of clubs in the Championship and Premier League do their own podcast. You know, they've got four or five thousand followers. It's not easy to do. Um, all the editing that you do, it's fantastic and you deserve a hell of a lot of credit to put in your time to, to give enjoyment and entertainment to others. So well done yourself, mate.
0: Cheers, mate. That's that's very kind of you. Um, and maybe this summer I'll invest in some slightly better technology so we can have some even better sound quality going forward as well for next season. Um, all right. Uh, where, where can people follow you on Twitter, mate, if they're not doing already? Of course they are already, but just in case there isn't anybody that that's missing out.
1: Um, at Blade Analytic I am I think very much going to take part in the charity football aid game at Bramall Lane on the 31st of May nice Um, I was discussing this with Gage the other day and uh, apparently my nerdiness uh, level uh, of stats people I think may have got an impression or vision of what I may look like and play like so I think I might have to go against that grain and show that I'm actually a bit of a a brash tackling midfielder but um, (laughs) he's uh, (laughs) It's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in on that. So, uh, people, as you go into that, I will happily see people there.
0: Nice. Yeah, I hope you're going to give us your, uh, you know, your analytics on your performance afterwards, your expected goals and expected assists and key passes and stuff. We'll make sure that gets shared on Twitter. Expected embarrassment. Will you probably could be probably a play with defense. a notebook and a pen in your hand, can't you? And just just write those things down. I, I
1: think that my
0: stats would be. Pretty pretty poor, really. So I'm probably just gonna be
1: extremely quiet on zero, that.
0: Sit in the changing zero, room. zero, zero. My hands. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, yep. Yeah, please do go follow, um, go J- follow Jay at Blades Analytic on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the official Twitter feed for this podcast as well, which is at Blades Pod. I think we're approaching 500 followers actually, which is, is pretty awesome. So if if anybody wants to uh, give us a retweet and help me help me get there to that magic 500 mark, that would be pretty nice as well i think but yeah we've we've uh these podcasts seem to get longer and longer mate but they're uh they're very enjoyable (laughs) to record and it it seems like people actually do listen to them as well so i was pleased to see that not only did so many people listen last week uh, to the last episode but most of them listen right to the end as well which i think is uh is great credit to both of us for our ability to spin it out (laughs) and keep people interested so yeah thanks thanks very much to everybody for listening and uh Thanks to you again, mate, for giving up so much of your time.
1: No worries, bud. Thank you very much, everyone, and uh, enjoy a very uh, good summer, guys. Nice one.
0: All right, I'll talk to you later, pal. Thanks again. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers, bye-bye.